Welcome to the One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we signed to a one day contract to join the show. It's been a while, but we're back. My name is Nikki We're back, Wolf. baby. We're oh, back, sorry. baby. I forgot. I, I can't talk to him. Introduce. Uh, uh, oh, God. It's falling apart immediately. Oh, Josh boy. is already in mid-season form instead of pre-season form and screwing up the intro. You know that voice, Josh Klein, editor-in-chief for the Riot Report, and is now the proud girl dad of an 11-week-old human being and is sick and tired of having his hot Panthers long snapper takes ignored by Ruby Sue. Hello, daddy. Hello. She, uh, yeah, you know, I can just, I've been breaking, I've been trying to teach her how to break down tape on J.J. Jansen versus Thomas Fletcher. Been doing a lot of practice footage um, to see who's got that, the advantage in the long snapper competition. She does not seem to care, but I'll tell you what she does like, the fan. She likes the fan, likes the fan a lot, and uh, and she likes um, the blinds. The blinds seems to really be uh, like the number one, the number one show on uh, on 11 week old uh, radio. That sounds about right. It kind of yeah. sounded like you were talking about a cat for a second, but we are talking about a human still, right? Nope, she is a human being, a beautiful baby girl, all for it. She's got two arms, two legs, 10 fingers, 10 toes, and a wonderful smile. And uh, she thinks mama is funnier than me, but I think it's because uh, mama's got the food carrying with her all the time, so. That's, that's true. She has an unfair yeah. advantage in all of this. It's true. I tried to but, grow them, but they didn't over the, over the course of the pandemic and quarantine, but they're not, they're not, uh, they're not as full. Oh boy. <laughs> this is getting off the rails really fast. Wow. I don't think you have the inside plumbing. <laughs> is that... <laughs> the, the, um, the, the, the lone wow from our guest before he's introduced rudely. Uh, was just was terrific uh, it, incredible he's just taking your lead yep this is what people sign up for we're back baby we're back our other bestie i hope you've been getting some uh dad advice from this guy colin hoggard columnist and contributor for the riot report has been trying to decide for the past three months whether he likes or dislikes the sam darnold trade and he's still not sure I am not still not sure. I will say at least we only had two false starts and one illegal procedure in the first 45 seconds of the show. So it's good to be back, everybody. It's true. We're clean. We're going to clean it up. We're going to watch the tape. Uh, I'm going to run over and touch the DBO sign, although it's more of a BOJ sign. It stands for Bojangles. Um, and, uh, and I'll go run over and touch it. Well, the good news is if you made it this far into the show, we just get better. Right? Or do we I get worse? That, that might be a promise that will not be kept, but we do have two radio professionals here ready to ready to weigh in. Yeah, let's bring in the, the second radio professional on the one-day contract this week, Travis T-Bone Hancock, co-host of the apparently critically reviewed Mac Attack on Sports Radio FNZ, Hornets pregame co-host, Chili's aficionado, and the second most famous personality in his home behind, Mabel. Uh-huh. We do love Mabel. Yeah, that's uh, I, that was a good intro. All true. What up, uh, family? Good to see you guys again. Do, are we a family now or a family? How do we describe now because of Sam Darnold? Are we a family or a family? I didn't really want to say that. I'll cross it out and not say that on live radio tomorrow. But hey, thanks for having me. When Josh said Ruby Sue uh, like the fan, 
Colin. I thought he meant the radio station. I was like, wow, Ruby Sue, big sports radio fan? No, he meant an actual fan and not our radio station. That's fine. In time, we'll get Ruby Sue probably as a guest talking training camp. Yeah, and congratulations, Josh. We are very excited for you, even if it's a bit awkward for us all. Yes, is she wearing thank G- you. Is she wearing G shorts yet and going to tailgates? <laughs> Not yet. We hope to we hope to bring her out for one tailgate. One tailgate, but no jorts. No jorts. Just no jorts. We're a jorts free family here at the Klein household. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Um, also, I believe bo- both of you boys turned 40 this year, right? Is that what we Oh boy, what's happening? Now we're just, now we're just throwing it. Now we're just making ourselves feel terrible here. This is, I don't <laughs> like this at all. Okay. We have a second illegal procedure penalty. <laughs> Going to have to cut all this stuff out. Yeah. I turned 22. I don't know what you're talking about with an asterisk. Oh my. The bladder of a 75 year old man. So I can't really speak <laughs> I had two Coronas on Saturday night and had to drive from Concord to Mooresville. Two Coronas in two hours, by the way. I had to drive from Concord to Mooresville and had to pee so bad. I had to stop in the woods to pee. Didn't make it all the way home. So that was my official, like, I'm done moment. Like, I'm out. I'm done. I can't even go. I can't even drive from Concord to Mooresville without having to stop and pee in the woods. Is the Concord Chili's that much better? <laughs> it's worth the drive? <laughs> Sir, it could have been an Applebee's, perhaps. You don't know where I was and what I was doing, but know that I was in the woods. I did try to pee while driving down the road into a bottle. Anyone that says they can do that, it's impossible. I'm driving down 77 in the rain and trying to unzip my pants. It's the worst moment I've ever been a part of. And look at me, there's a lot of bad moments here. Let's be honest about this whole thing. I think the only people that can actually do that are on TV or in movies. I don't think actual real humans can do it. In uh, real if life. you can pee into a soda bottle, that's an Olympic sport. You, you got break dancing in there now. RPA has to be something considered because I don't know if there's a country that can do it, like Sweden or Ireland or somebody. I don't know what it is. I, I completely derailed the show here, but it's got to be an Olympic sport. Soda bottles are just a complete mistake. Gatorade, but let's can we move on? <laughs> The wider target. I'll give you the life the tip. Can we move target. on? <laughs> well, uh, instead of Nikki's super important question, I was just going to ask for a, a brief recap of your summer. Um, T-Bone just did his. Um, boys, what do you have? Where have you been the past few months while we haven't been recording? Obviously, Josh has been a little busy with a little one. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been doing everything I can to make my life easier for my wife while she does all of the heavy lifting. And that's pretty much all I've been doing for the past three months. Colin, what have you got? Yeah. You've been putting any additions on your house? No, no additions. Mine sounds very similar. My wife doing a lot of the heavy lifting, and I'm trying to help out where I, where I can. My water broke the other day, so that's what I got. <laughs> I heard. I heard you had to go into the woods to have your water break. Oh man, I I, I can relate to your wife and Colin's wife. I'm very well here. It's early in the season because once the real stuff starts, I get kicked out of here. So I get it all off the table in August. We need an inner squad scrimmage before we have our first episode is what I'm, is what I'm learning. I think it went wrong when I called us a family, not a family. I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's where this whole thing really went downhill. The whole darn family. That's what I think you – I think you got to get darn in there somewhere. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I'm uh, working it out. We're workshopping it. Right. By the end of the show, we're going to come up with some gold. 
because we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> it's early. We're only like, what, seven minutes in? Come on. Plenty yeah, of time. We are digging, so. <laughs> <laughs> if Matt Rule would play the starters, we, didn't have, we wouldn't have to do this. this way. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, there we go. Let's just go ahead and jump right into it. There's no need to dig into the past few months of Panthers. Let's go into this preseason week one. Let's start with, did you agree with the decision to give Sam Darnold the day off? I want to hear Colin's opinion. He's making a my, lot of faces. My initial, my initial reaction was I, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like especially that we waited until 7 o'clock, 7.30 it was on Friday night um, to make that kind of announcement. However, we, we do have to remember we're in a new three-week preseason with a 17-game regular season, and I think – the reality is that they there's a different trajectory to this team. And, you know, having been down in Spartanburg for a little bit and watching the practices, I thought it was light if you're going to be heading into your first preseason game. But now kind of seeing the trajectory of what I think they're going to do going forward, I think it can make sense of it. But initially, of course, I was disappointed. What do you think they're going to do? You see, you said kind of with the, the thought of kind of identifying what their schedule might look like. What do you think that schedule looks like? I just think they're in a general ramp-up situation. I don't think they were in a rush to get Darnold um, a bunch of reps and things like that. I just think that they they have to find out the back end of this roster very quickly, and I think that was their priority going into all this. And I think that the, uh, the reps that Sam got against Indy's defense in those two days of practices are just as valuable as anything he was going to do in that game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that something that, that was really interesting to me is something that Ron Rivera said a couple of years ago is that he felt like the joint practices were almost more important than the preseason games. Like there's, you can't replicate playing in front of a crowd, obviously, as uh, Trent Scott and Martell Ivy found out uh, last night, yesterday. But um, the, the idea that you can really manufacture these exact situations for your quarterbacks and and evaluate them that way and then go in immediately and say, okay, here's what you did wrong. Or, you know, here's how we're going to make these changes. And you can run those same play. You can run third and four eight times in a row. If you want to, you don't have to, well, we didn't pick up this third down. So, you know, I mean, how many times do you see these starting quarterbacks go in and they're like, Oh, we're going to get one series. And the one series is holding penalty, running play, running play, incomplete pass. And it's like, great. Awesome. Tons of reps for Sam Darnold. So it's like I would much rather him get those 25 reps against the Colts defense and then against the the Ravens defense rather than, oh, well, we got to get him into the game to see how he performs. I mean, that's to me, all that is is just so we can overreact and talk about it um, on the radio and on the podcast, which don't get me wrong, I like doing. But uh, I, I think those practice reps are so much more important. You can also make it situational based in practices against the other teams rather than the games. And, you know, the game will dictate the situation. But if there's something specific with your team and Darnold you want to work on, you can do that in the joint sessions. The reason I, you know, obviously for what you're saying, for what we do, we would love the guys to play all preseason because we want to analyze the guys we're going to analyze during the season. The, the reason I, I'm okay with them not playing yesterday is as a, as a guy that watched almost every throw in New York as a, as a supporter of the Jets, I know that it's much more mental for him than physical. He's got the physical tools. It's a mental thing. And if he's out there with the backups and backup offensive linemen, and it's his first time out there and it goes wrong, 
it's going to take a while to maybe get him back. You've got, you've got to fix him mentally more than physically. I want him out there with the ones. I want him out there with Moten. I want him out there with Paris. I want him out there with DJ Moore and McCaffrey. I want him to feel what it's like to be out there with good players. If he's out there with these backups, that's going to feel like he's out there with the from last year. So get him out there when everybody's out there, and that's better for Sam Darles. I think what you're hitting on is, is really important. They are trying to rebuild something. This is a guy we've all seen the quote, you know, we've all seen the clip of him talking about seeing ghosts and all that stuff. And even though it happens to quarterbacks and it's not that unusual, the fact that it was caught on audio and became a part of his deal up there in New York certainly matters. They're rehabbing this guy. I would much rather them trying to work on that offensive line and feel like they had it in a good place before you put him behind there. If this truly is a rehab process that we're doing here and I think another part of it, too, is the victory of, of Darnold here in Carolina. They did pick up his fifth-year option. I think this is not a one-year experiment. This isn't a sprint, necessarily. This is likely a two-year deal. And so uh, their trajectory for Darnold isn't about getting him as many opportunities in, in this preseason. I think it is about trying to rehab him and put him in the best situation possible. If he goes out there and throws a pick to some guy named Ricky Bobby in preseason game number one, it may not matter to us. We might be like, whatever. But with his mental state, we don't know what that could – like, he, if he has a bad outing like yesterday, we don't know what that could do. We've got to make sure that he is 100% mentally right, like Colin said. And then when it's full go, let's go. But right now, not the time for him to write. Well, not, not yesterday. If they don't look ready, if the ones don't look ready week one, then I think the, the lack of preseason reps and things like that will quickly become a conversation. And that may – you know, they may have looked just as rough if they played all preseason. I don't know. But it, it, that conversation will certainly loom large if they don't look prepared against the Jets. So with all that yeah. being said, will we see him week two or three then? I – does it depend on how the joint practices go with the Ravens, whether or not they put them out there? And I think that would it does. Be the most logical thing does. with what we're talking about, if you're talking about the rehab and the comfort and things like that, that would, you know, like it would make some sense. What do they do with McCaffrey in these games? Do they do they play him at all? Do they chance it? Get him get him some reps, or is he is McCaffrey not playing at all in the preseason? Well, see, I guess this like is where I think it is. It is different where we're talking about the three-game preseason where the rules said that Darnold's going to play in the third. It's, we're not going to have that fourth game where all the, the quarterback or everybody sits. I think that's now effectively the one preseason game into the regular season. I think that's now going to be the common trajectory we see going forward probably. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that um, last night, yesterday on the broadcast, I don't know if anybody was able to see it, but um, I was watching it on the Panthers app and – Krista Balboni was talking about the preseason schedule and how all the, the starters were not playing. And, you know, a lot of times sideline reporters, when they say stuff, they kind of, it tends to be things that they've heard rather than just that they're coming up with themselves. And she said that it was that she, that they're not necessarily uh, tied to that. Okay. Here's what we do in the first preseason game. Here's what we do in the second preseason game, preseason, third preseason game. Everybody plays one half, fourth preseason game. Nobody plays. She said that with, three preseason games, each coach can kind of dictate how they want to do it themselves rather than, than have it be a set rhythm. So I think that may be something that he is kind of, that Matt Rule is experimenting with. And so um, I, I think that, you know, some of these guys, I don't think Christian McCaffrey should play in the preseason. Like I'm good. I'm all set. Like, I don't think it, like, I, I don't, 
I, I kind of vacillate back and forth and I may go the other way next week. Probably I will, because that's what I do. I'm getting right back into midseason form playing both sides of the fence. <laughs> but like, I, I like if Chris McCaffrey sprains an ankle or, you know, I'm going to knock on some wood, but like if, if any of that, if the, if what happened to cam happens to Christian, then the season's over before it even starts. So it's like, what are we, what, why do we need him out there? I guess the only reason would be, so he's not getting tackled for the first time uh, in 14 months, week one against the jets. But at the same time, some of these guys, like I don't need to see Brian Burns rushing the passer. I know he can, I'm good. Like just, keep him out there. Maybe dress him in the uniform, let him take pictures, let him take some Instagram stories before the game, and then I'm all set. You're also be facing the Ravens in some form or fashion three times in one week, and that's a that's a football team. We know their history, what they're about. Like That's a lot of Ravens, even though it's a joint session practices. That's a lot of physicality against Baltimore, where that's a lot in one week against that team, right? So you might want to, for McCaffrey's purposes, like, yeah, you're going to go in the joint sessions. We're not throwing you out there in a game three times in four days, whatever it is, against Baltimore. And they've got joint sessions with the Colts and joint sessions with the Ravens. They don't have them with the Steelers, and that's why I think you could treat it more like a game week. The other piece mm-hmm. of this, too, is that they don't have a full week in this preseason. Once it started, they played on Sunday, then it's Friday, and then Thursday, right? Like, so it's, it's less than a week each time during this preseason. So everything's sped up right now. This isn't, a, this isn't the place to try and find your rhythm, I don't yeah, three games in 12 days for these guys. So, I I, yeah. I mean, I also, like, T-Bone, you hit it right. You hit the nail on the head. Sam Darnold's problem, and we're, if we, when we talk about Sam Darnold more in depth, I'm sure we will at some point, um, his problem is not physical. When people are like, hey, how's he look in practice? It's like, he looks incredible because he has, he has a huge arm. He has all the tools. He just throws a ton of interceptions and, and makes bad decisions. But those things don't happen in practice. They don't happen in one-on-one drills. It don't happen when he's trying to, you know, dunk a basketball from 30 yards out into a trash can. Like, he can do all that stuff. I, I know that. He knows that. Matt Rule knows that. It's about taking away those mistakes and making sure that he doesn't do those in the regular season. And I'm not sure that that a pre, that preseason reps are going to help with that. But I don't know. Maybe they will. I've never played quarterbacks in the NFL. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe seeing somebody rush the passer and maybe him getting rushed in the preseason would do him some good. I got a message from uh, one of uh, Sam, excuse me, one of Sam Howell's uh, coaches at Sun Valley, and he said to me, "There's a lot of Sam Darnold with Sam Howell," and I was like, "That's not a comparison you hear." I was like, "What's the? Why are you saying that?" And it was from the simple point of they both feel at times they have to make all the plays, and Darnold in New York would hold on to the ball so long or try to force the football somewhere, and Sam Howell would do the same thing early at Carolina. They're not trying to force it and they're just reacting and throwing and making plays that's right there, they're great quarterbacks. When they hold it too long or try to force it, it's what hurts them. So it made a lot of sense. I'm like, yeah, that is the Darnold and Howell problem, per se, are kind of similar to one another. I didn't think about that. And I think right now you'd say Darnold has better weapons than Howell, so I don't know what that means for, for anybody. but Maybe for this year, but maybe next year, Sam Howell might have those same weapons. Cross our fingers. <laughs> Sam White. You've got to be a family again. That's right. <laughs> okay, well, I will again remind you that David Tepper has not won since he's been the owner of this team and is not interested in a timeline that involves rookie quarterbacks tracking to get to pl- above five. I still think he wants a vet until, until, you know, we'll see if it's Darnold, but I don't think it's changed. 
Have you guys discussed Colin's fake bookcase back there on the Zoom? He's like, Adam, is that Adam Schefter like bookcase back there? Is that all fake stuff? No, that's my Steve Smith uh, trophy, the top top golf trophy. Yeah, it's just like when Jeff Passing got called with a fake backdrop and pulled it up, and it was something different. I think it's a fake backdrop. That that 1990 Reds World Series champions banner, that's authentic, bud. <laughs> I'm just enamored by the fan behind you, T Bone. I'm I'm taken after Ruby Sue. I just can't I can't look away. I get distracted. <laughs> When you were talking about Ruby Sue earlier in the fan, did you mean yourself? Because you do kind of look mesmerized right now. Can't help it. It's nice. It's that contrast. I'm just glad I'm talking to people on Zoom that keep their shirts on. Unlike my radio host, Matt, here, who often we go shirtless during our at-home radio show. So thank you guys for – thank you, Josh, for keeping your shirt on here today. I respect that a lot. Show's not over yet, well, buddy. Show's well, not over early. yet. <laughs> it's early. It happens. So what are your biggest takeaways? from this first game? We talked about a big one, which is we're in a new world, this three-game preseason. I, I even wonder, as we get further down, will it continue to shrink? But once once the announcement was made, I realized we're in a different world, and this is going to be a different trajectory. The, the preseason rhythms that we know of the past are, I think, going away, and we are seeing different, different coaches experiment. Ultimately, there will be one that wins out, but – uh, I did think we're we're in a new world as far as that con- that's concerned. Um, as far as uh, my biggest takeaway is that BJ Walker is the backup quarterback. I agree. Uh, I mean, I agree with you. I don't, that's not my biggest takeaway, but I do agree with you that PJ Walker is the backup quarterback. Um, I was actually, I think, I said it on on uh, on you on the show today when we talked earlier on WFNZ, uh, Mac and T-Bone available at the Mac attack from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. every single day. Um, it's uh, uh, that I think that I was surprised they didn't give Will Greer more opportunity to throw to showcase his arm so that they might be able to trade him for anything. Because I think that the days of Will Greer here in Carolina, those, those days are numbered. Um, I, I think you're going to see him get a lot more run on Saturday night against the Ravens and, and kind of showcase what he can do if they can find something for him. Um, but I think that uh, my biggest takeaway was that um, Terrace Marshall Jr. just looks much better than any, than anybody on that Colts defense. Like nobody on that Colts secondary. And I understand, yes, uh, it was a lot of their second teams. Xavier Rhodes not playing Kenny. Um, I want to say Kenny Galladay. That's not right either. Kenny Moore, that's his name. Um, Kenny Moore wasn't playing, so they're you know they're on their second string too. But he was he was open every single time that I looked on his side of the field. I would watch him run routes, and he's open. And it's I, I was surprised that PJ Walker didn't look his way more often, but it did not surprise me that once they got into the red zone, he looked his way twice in a row. So I think that he is going to be he's just if he can stay healthy, he is going to be a legitimate NFL wide receiver. And I wasn't sure about that. Um, even through training, like, you know, through training camp, he looks good. He's, you know, he's kind of mossing people every now and then in, in, uh, in one-on-ones, but for what he was doing, I was, I was very impressed. Um, once he, when you see him out there in uniform, it's like, oh boy, this guy's going to be good. And, uh, so exciting for, for Panthers offense. He seems to have wide receiver one ability down the line. I'm not comparing him to DJ Moore right now or whatever, but he seems to have that level of what he could be and him and Moore going forward together could be one of the better duos in the league in time. I was impressed yesterday by the amount of rookies in one class making plays in their first opportunity. The aforementioned Marshall, Tommy Tremble, Shai Smith, Chuba Hubbard, 
Christensen played well in the offensive line. Big snack, Roaring Riot fan, played well at the end of the game yesterday. Uh, Tommy Flet, Thomas Fletcher made a play. For these guys in their first outing, this amount of rookies to make that many plays, and when we're talking about rookies in the preseason, we're often focused on, you know, the number one pick, and he didn't even play. So, you know, it's one game, but Scott Fitterer for one game seems to have found a lot of value and a lot of players that can do stuff in this draft. I was very impressed by the amount of players yesterday early on making plays for Scott Fitterer. Anyone else impress you guys? Not Joey Sly. Uh, <laughs> Joey Sly gives both Hartford and Henning at one time. I don't know why of all the guys in camp, Joey Sly's the guy with no competition. Look, even the makes are close. Uh, he, can, he can hit from 55 and miss from 22. Like he, Joey Sly, to me, is a questionable kicker. I, he can be good. I just don't know why he does not have someone pushing him like like you normally see in camp. Even even Justin Tucker in Baltimore has someone in camp there. I have no idea why you don't have a guy in there with Joey Sly because he, he's going to cost him a game this year or two at some point. It's just going to happen. I don't understand their roster. This is completely off topic, but I don't really understand their roster construction right now. Um, they don't have they don't have enough linebackers. Um, they don't like I, they have just a million defensive linemen, which is fine. Like I understand, but like I, I just feel like they could do some tweaking on those between like what they're going to cut five guys, but between like seventy five and eighty five, and just mix those up and just like rather like just move the just move the pie chart around of how they're how they're divvying up this roster um i expect they'll do that at some point um but right now there's two long just, staffers there's two long staffers and one kicker right now it's true yeah. how I mean, are they even practicing can we can we can we can we fix that here at some point soon i, mean, I love jj jansen but can we get Sly some comp and not jansen maybe colin yeah, I mean, it, this slide definitely didn't earn himself or doing himself any favors in, in game one. And, and I'm with you. Same time, does it, I'm trying to figure out, does a kicking competition do anything for you? Or are you just going to sign whoever you want to sign at the end of, like, if, there's, if you check the preseason list? Like, if you're going to get a, go get a, go, going to go get a veteran kicker, um, then you just sign them in, at the end of the preseason, right? Well, Fidler told us two weeks ago that they had a guy – he told us on the air they had a guy on standby if slide faltered. And it's like – I think it was the Amendola kid they signed in the spring who ended up going to the Jets, but uh, or Avendola, as the ladies call him. But, like, so they, they were ready for Sly to maybe fail, but yet they were just waiting to bring the guy in when he did fail. So even they're like, hey, he's probably going to screw up here, but when he does, we got a guy over here ready to go. So even they're like, all right, we got to have someone nearby at some point to take over this thing. Yeah. I'll be surprised. They've got to bring in competition after this week's performance. Right? Which, yeah. I mean, it's got to be worthwhile hey. at, at this point. You say you've got to, but it certainly seems like that would be the logical thing to do. The other thing you said, Josh, though, about the linebackers, I, this speaks to a bigger concern that I have I, about the, your, your roster composition. I don't know how many linebackers they actually intend to have playing during the, the course of this season, and I'm concerned about the size. And this is the first year of the longer season. I know it's, you know, it's just one more game. But I'm concerned about the overall weight of this defense. Does that make mm. sense that they're light? Like the guys up front are big. Don't get me wrong, especially, you know, the defensive tackles. They're big. Everybody else is like a little bit lighter. And I feel like we saw something similar with Atlanta over the last several years where they had a lot, their, their defense was very fast, sideline to sideline, make plays, and never stayed healthy. I just worry that, that this is the road we may headed down. Good so point. 
I, I, I know what you're saying about the linebackers. I just don't, I just don't, I don't see how many true linebackers are going to spend time playing for them. I had a concern about Matt Rule as well. I, I like Matt Rule, but one of my concerns is last year we know how bad the communication was with Teddy Bridgewater and how game management at times, and, you know, you chalk it up to COVID year, they're all new. Well, even in preseason game one, after the game, he's talking about miscommunications with P.J. Walker, and they, they messed something up. Now, whether it's on the player, the team, or the coaches, whatever, but, like, we're in preseason game one, and we're still miscommunicating and having game management problems. Like, and that carries over again. I got some major concerns here because that was something he kind of chalked it up to he knew, but we're doing this again. And I think that really alienated Bridgewater last year. I think he was like, hey, let's go, let's go. Like, with Sam Darnold, you better make sure you're communicating well because you got to make sure everything around him is right, and that includes the communication. Communication, for some reason, not strong with Matt Rule and Joe Brady in his tenure. And don't forget, too, that the three fall start situations, Will Greer tried to fall on that grenade in the postgame uh, presser taking accountability for it, but it didn't sound like they'd really worked on a silent count. And he even he even kind of said that at the beginning of his of his answer. Uh, he said normally you'd have a silent count there, and so it didn't seem like that was something they'd worked on. Again, whether or not they worked on t- offense, things like that, there there to be a, a, an undercurrent here and, and a little bit of a theme that we're developing through uh, the first year plus with Matt Rule. Well, I do think, uh, you know, this was something that we talked about last year, is that they, these guys are all – these they were all rookie head coaches. It was a super young team. and But you wanted, you just want to see improvement. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. Like, you didn't see improvement. The, the, the specific example that Tebow pointed out is that, you know, P.J. Walker, they were just – he said there were a bunch of guys saying different things into his headset. He could hear Matt Rule yelling from the sidelines. So he thought that Matt Rule wanted to challenge the catch. And so he was like, let's, or he, he didn't think it was a catch. So he wanted to run up and say, and get the playoff when they didn't want him to run a play. Like all these things that are like, and that exact situation happened last year with Teddy Bridgewater, where they didn't want him to snap the ball, but he ended up snapping the ball. But this time it ends up with a PJ Walker touchdown to Tommy Tremble. Last time it ended up with a, with a Teddy Bridgewater incompletion. And then they, they screwed themselves in that two minute drill. And so it's like, if this happens in the regular season and it goes the other way, who takes the blame for that? Because Teddy Bridgewater took all the blame for all of these things last year. Everything that happened fell on Teddy Bridgewater's shoulders. And now if we see the same thing happening with a new quarterback, I mean, you can't blame Teddy anymore for it. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. The whole mantra, the DBO sign, don't beat ourselves. And then you come out in your first game, you have multiple pre-snap penalties, you know, 10 in total. And this is something we've seen before. Like if, if don't beat ourselves should at least be get the ball snapped without giving up yardage like that it, it, that should be like tenant one of dbo is snap the play without committing a penalty so we'll see how it goes and i also I give credit to the punter and i give uh, uh, credit to the punter joseph charlton from south carolina because what the gamecocks can do baby is punt the football how about that give him some credit <laughs> to their fellas <laughs> So where do the Panthers still need help on this? Yeah, I think we, I think we, they, they, they have to address this linebacker thing. They signed Josh Bynes. Um, but like if, even if, even if, uh, even if Stanford comes back and, and I guess Clay Johnston, but like Denzel Perriman hasn't, when, when he, if he plays 16 games this season, uh, spoilers, he won't, but it would be the first time in his entire career that he had. So um, I, I can't, you can't trust him to play more than 12 games. 
So then you're leaning a lot on J.C. Carter. I think J.C. Carter is a good player. Shaq Thompson is, is good for two to four missed games a year. Um, and then you're, then you're relying on, you know, Josh Bynes to wear the headset in, in regular season games against Tom Brady. Like, that, that seems like a recipe for disaster. So I, I think you need help. You got to help that. You have to address that linebacker depth. And, um, and I, yeah, that, that to me is such a huge thing. And now I think you might have some issues with corner depth as well. Now that Troy Pride, I mean, the MRI isn't back yet, but certainly didn't, it's not good when you pass out from the pain. So uh, coming off the field. So I, I think that it's. I, uh, I, I was concerned about safety depth too, but I mean, Kenny Robinson played pretty well yesterday. So can yep. he continue that? If he doesn't play well, I think there's depth concerns at safety as well. It's not the most the linebackers and safeties outside of a quarterback and offensive line have been my area of concern depth wise. Obviously, Jeremy Chen, fantastic, and, and we're excited about the other guys back there. But like, I, if one of those guys goes down, it's not guy on guy back there. And Kenny Robinson could have a lot of value here because there's not a lot of safety depth back there. That's an area of concern for me too. But he played well yesterday. Colin, any thoughts? I was, I mean, the offensive line is going to continue to be a, a conversation piece as we go along, but I was really pleased. I, I felt like Christensen's stock was high right after he got drafted. People thought he might be the next left tackle, um, and then it felt like it has dropped. But to see his performance um, uh, at right tackle this this past, week, I, I thought that was good. Or I thought that was good. I don't know if Moten at left tackle is the answer we're looking for. So. Uh, and, until Sam, until they feel comfortable putting Sam Darnold back there, I think I'm going to continue to say the offensive line. And Trent Scott had the false starts too. And normally, we're like, ah, oh, who cares about offensive linemen late in games doing stuff or whatever? But like, that's a dude that's like in the mix. So Trent Scott jumping off sides is kind of uh, worrisome too, as a guy that may have to play significant minutes at some point. Let's just go around to the return of our favorite segment then offensive line party chat. Let's talk more about this. Where do you think that Moten ends up? I think he ends up at the left tackle. I think it's gone on so long now. It's one thing in the springtime to talk about it, and it's a, it's a cute idea. He plays there a mini camp, and it's this and that. But we're now past the first preseason game, and we're still talking about Moten at left tackle. It's not just something that the media made up. Josh Klein didn't make it up on a tweet and all of a sudden. It's a real thing. They don't deny it. They have not denied it at all. They put him out there in practices and camps and games. I think Taylor Moen's the left tackle. I think they wanted to see, I understand, and talk to people with the team at camp. They were just waiting to see how things went in Indy, not for the game necessarily, but because they didn't, the starters didn't play. They want to see how Moen did in the practice of the left tackle. And then he does well, and then Christensen does well in the game. Now they probably feel comfortable Moen left tackle, Christensen right tackle. I'm interested to see, though, what does that mean, not just for 21, but down the line, do you then switch Moten back to right tackle down the line? Is that just Christensen's job now? Is it just Moten and Christensen, left tackle, right tackle forever? Interesting how that plays out over the next handful of years. That I'd say that's the dream scenario, right? Like that Moten's able to successfully make the transition. You paid him, you know, good right tackle money, but, you know, and decent left tackle money, don't get me wrong, and you, you plug in Richard, or Christensen as the cheap option on the opposite tackle. And – one piece of this that hasn't really been discussed is Tommy Tremble, the thing he's known for most, is blocking. I think he comes in and is a better blocker that they've had a tight end position since. Now, at least, I hate this. I at hate least this since man hurts. <laughs> I hate where this is going. I knew it was happening. I was I was really like, Tremble's, ability, 
Trimble's ability to assist this offensive line, I feel like, has been largely neglected because we haven't had that. You put on this. Uh, you put on the sly smile when you started talking about Trembles blocking, and I was like, "Oh no, I know exactly where this is heading. This is heading towards." Hey, I'm not sure a guy. sly smile is the right. A, a sly smile is not a good term there. That's not a good term right now. We're questioning sly. <laughs> yeah. Sly smile. Very few smiles from Sly right now. Yeah, smile very wide. wide a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a very wide, long smile. Four out of five sly smiles are good smiles. <laughs> Any no, surprises on the line so far? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, no, I I want to um, I want to get this on record um, because, and this may be I don't I think it's a bad idea to move Taylor Moten to left tackle. Um, I think that you are taking away the your second best player on offense. You're moving him from his natural position where he has been excelling and earned himself a me- huge mega deal and is probably playing at a Pro Bowl slash All Pro level. And you're putting him at, at, a, at a position, the, a hugely premier, um, important position that he has tried and has not played great at. So it, it maybe, he's, maybe he has improved and, and is ready to move over to left tackle. But is the, diff, is, the, is, the jump in left, is the jump in left tackle from Cam Irving to Taylor Moten that much greater than the drop from Taylor Moten to Brady Christensen because Brady Christensen can be a good right tackle and he may be, and he looked pretty good against the second team Colts defense. But to me, you're putting Brady Christensen out there as a rookie third round pick at right tackle, which is a huge downgrade from Taylor Moten, who is probably, you know, a top two right tackle in the league. And you're moving Taylor Moten over the left side. And if that experiment fails, that is that, that, it's just tough to move them around all just constantly be shuffling that offensive line around. Personally, I would much rather have just a stalwart on the right side, put Cam Irving on the left side, put Trent Scott on the left side and put Tommy Tremble standing right next to them every single play and, and double team that guy. And when they need, and they're going to need help, that's fine. You can, you can plan around that. But to me, you're downgrading both positions when you move Taylor Moten to the left side, rather than uh, taking him from the right side. It would so be nice I if Greg Little. Out there. Yeah, no, it's, it's recorded because it says record here on my screen, so it's 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 going to be up there. Uh it would be nice if Greg Little. What's the word, uh, guys? That I'm looking. Greg Little was good. If Greg Little was good, this would alleviate. We forget so much about Greg Little, and I've got a problem personally with Greg Little that I saw at Spartanburg last week when practice ended. All of the players were walking back to the to the to the dorm or whatever area. Greg Little got a court ride. I'm thinking of all the players on the team getting cart rides. Why is Greg Little getting free rides around? He did nothing. Why is that dude? He's smiling and laughing. Of all people, Colin, why does Greg Little get cart rides? It's the biggest question. I mean, it's, it, it, if he was good for this team, there's not. I don't think you feel. I don't think there's really that many questions on on offense other than can Sam drive the car, and it's a pretty nice car. So if Greg Little had been the guy that Marty, 30, Marty Herney thought he was going to be, then we're not dealing with this. And, and you look at it, a lot of guys have gone, have been drafted as left tackles, and it's taken them some time to figure it out. But it doesn't feel like he is any closer to figuring it out. And Josh He doesn't Ron, even get mentioned with the guys. Like they brought in like they brought in like average, ball average dudes to come in here and compete. He doesn't even get – you forget he exists – like Greg Little's not even on the ring. Like he he's gonna be one of the first cut, probably, right? I mean, are we are we wrong in saying that? Like 
Greg Little's gone, right? Like, there's no way. I don't think he's. I don't think he's getting cut today slash tomorrow. But I do think he's getting cut. Like, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think he's going to make the roster. That's which 23 is, person. That 23 person cut drop, or when they had to cut 23 at once. There's no way Little's making it. And not with the, Not with the other areas that you mentioned. All the positions that have like 20 guys there. Well, then they're not going to keep Whittle there just to sit around. And then I'm sure no one's going to claim him. So if they needed him, they can always bring him back in here. But he's, to me, he's gone. He's a he's an obvious, no doubt, 100% gone in my opinion. He's not making this. And it's not even a guy tied to this this regime either. So they don't, they're not tied to him, like, draft pick-wise. Like, he's he's not even there, really. Just Marty Marty left leftovers. You know, Josh, to your, your point about, about Taylor Moten, though, Cam Irving's already had a shoulder issue. He's not even getting through mm-hmm. the preseason without a shoulder issue. So now we're basically at Trent Scott because we, we're booting Greg Little. Yeah, it's, it's Trent, Trent Scott. Scott or it's Trent Scott or Moten. So, yeah, so you can start there. But if, if he struggles, I absolutely think one of the things they're going to try and do week two, week three. And, and it's not uncommon necessarily for an offensive line to take a couple weeks to mesh, to maybe make a couple, you know, changes. There are a lot of moving pieces on this. And you go back through the years, you can watch some week one to week four offensive line changes that are pretty substantial. So I think they'll get it figured out. I don't think they're going to start. And T-Bone, tell me if you, this is what you think. I don't think they're going to start Moten um, at left tackle week one. I don't think they're going to necessarily have. The, the good news is for the team and for Darnold and the offense, the schedule lines up really nice for handful of games. That first eight to nine games, the uh, offensive line could even, issue and they can work through it because the Jets are not going to be there yet. Uh, the Saints have a plethora of issues. Like the Saints aren't the Saints in week two. Houston might be the worst team in football week three. Dallas is week four, and I think I, I respect Dallas's offensive weapons, but Dak, we don't know what his status may be. So it lines up nicely, matchup-wise, to where what, what Colin is saying, maybe you can figure it out a little bit here and get by with some stuff and win some games because the most important thing is Stacking wins early in the season because it gets tough late. But they can figure out a way to figure out their five offensive linemen. And, what, and once they figure it out, guys, let's try to stay with that as long as possible because the mixing and matching and this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. No, let's figure out the best five wherever they're at. And if they're in, if they're healthy, just go with those five. I get tired of like the uh, well today a left tackle is going to be blah 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 right guards. No, let's just have continuity. And if they're average or average, that's okay. But Let's just get five on the board and just try to be average for Sam Darlin. Any surprises so far on this O-line? Um, I think uh, we didn't see him in Indy because he didn't travel, but I think Dennis Daly is, is a real – is someone that's going to compete to – I think compete to start, honestly. Like I, like, I think – not just compete like this was a guy that they really liked last year battled a bunch of injuries he's kind of as similar to cam irving a little bit maybe not in play style but like in kind of trajectory where he can play all over the i mean he they they lined him up at four out of five positions uh for his first two years here but he just has been battling injuries injury after injury after injury um so i think that you know this is a guy that um that that could battle with whether it's elfline or miller um and can be a valuable backup and will get a lot, maybe not a lot, oh, maybe a lot, man, screw it, a lot of run this year on that offensive line. Um, and, and I think that he will, he may surprise some people that, that I think a lot of people are kind of penciling uh, Elfline and Miller in as the starters, but I think Daly could be somebody that 
that can compete for one of those guard spots. I don't know which one. Maybe he won't win that spot immediately, but I do think he can be somebody that competes and, and is on the field eventually. Does Sam Tecklenburg have a future at backup center? Like, or is he the center? You, you watch almost every practice when you can in normal times. Is he a guy that can be part of their future because Paradis' contract expires? Tecklenburg played the whole game yesterday. It's kind of impressive. I call him Tecklenburg County, but it's just a thing that I have with him. Um, do you think he could be part of something here? Because they're going to need a center on this team to groom because Paradis is getting older. They need a center of the future here. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch the – I wasn't watching Tecklenburg specifically last night in the game – or yesterday in the game because it's like you kind of have those other guys. Like I wanted to see what Christensen was yeah. doing. I want to see what Trent Scott's doing. Um, and it's like he can only pour over the Indy versus Carolina preseason week one tape before you want to just uh, drown yourself in whiskey. So um, it's uh, – uh, so I, I – but I – sure. Like I, I think he – he played his way onto uh, – he was on the practice squad last year. He's certainly a Matt Rule type of guy. And Matt Rule has a, has a type. And Sam Tecklenburg, somebody who, you know, wants to be around football, is a football player, is, you know, studying the tape, watching the iPad before he goes to bed. Um, that, that is Matt Rule's kind of guy. So I, I think that Tecklenburg is somebody that certainly could uh, be like a – not even a fringe roster guy, like a guy that is playing that, that swing role between center and guard um, throughout the season. And maybe he doesn't get any playing time because Matt Paradis, you know, uh, other than breaking his leg, has been kind of an Iron Man. So I think that uh, I, I think that Tecklenburg could be somebody that is on the roster, but you may just not see him until uh, until Paradis leaves. Tecklenburg also with the giant back thigh tattoo. That's a sign of to me. That's a sign of a sign of toughness. It's a football guy back thigh tattoo. That's a no, you never see a back thigh tattoo. And don't ask how I discovered this because I was watching practice. But I, I think Colin may have a back thigh tattoo. We've never seen. <laughs> where do you do rank have a back thigh? Where do you rank tattoo location in terms of toughness? Because it's like, to me, it's like neck is the mo is the tough like the the Undertaker tattoo right here. That one's the t- that one's the most bat. Like if you see a dude like that, like just run because you're about to get murdered or tombstone pile drop. I think there's nothing more of a there's, – there's no greater sign of craziness than face tattoo. That, that, to me, is the ultimate. That guy's got some stories. I, I ain't messing with anybody with a face tattoo. That's for darn sure. To me, toughness is getting a, a tap in your face. I haven't made that radio bet yet, though, but it's coming soon. No, no. Like, is that like, tough or crazy, though? Like, that's, that's just like you're just an insane person. Like, if you have a tattoo on your face, you're, you're an insane person. Sorry, Mike Tyson. If you've, lived the life, but... you've lived the life. Or maybe yeah. you've killed a person and you've gone to jail. One or the other. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I don't. I, and for me, for me, since you brought up wrestlers, Bam Bam Bigelow's head tattoo. Mm. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. We're not doing that one. We can't do that one. That one's. You I've always one. wondered, like, how does one stumble into the head tattoo game? Like that. I wish Bam Bam wouldn't have died about twenty years ago because there's a lot of questions about. Also, like, when Bam Bam, if Bam Bam was going to age and be like sixty. How's that going to work? Is it going to get, like, wrinkly? Like, how's that going to go? How's that going to work? If you grow a toupee, what's going to happen there? Or you grow a toupee. If you wear a toupee at some point, Bam Bam, Bam, Bam to me, God bless his soul, got out in time, I think. I don't think you could grow a toupee. I don't think that's how that works. Yeah, I misspoke on that one. I've, uh, I've, I just realized that. So. <laughs> I also called a, 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 dino- a hippopotamus today on the air a dinosaur. I realized that's not really a dinosaur, but... Uh, yeah, I just say things. I just say things sometimes. It happens. It's close. Same family. No. 
we've we've been we've been apart so long we did get we did miss in its entirety the david moore era i don't know since you know just just to, to put a bow on the offensive line talk we were all very excited about what he was going to bring we thought he was an underdog that could he's on the jet okay okay yeah i got it <laughs> but that I, I does mean david someone's moore, playing we well david we reached a more quota for too many moors on one roster and they had to get rid of one it's an nfl rule too many moors yeah. They got right of the right one, right? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. They had, to, they had to bring in a Rod Smith to compete with Rodney Smith. Um, I think that uh, I remember right after the draft, and this, you know, we unfortunately were not around for me to yell at this person on Twitter um, and embarrass them and shame them. But somebody tweeted at me and was like, I think Moore is going to start at center and Deontay Brown is going to start at guard. And it's like, okay, man, like maybe we're just, maybe just pump the brakes at, undrafted free agent and sixth rounder like <laughs> just immediately stepping in to start week one against Quinn and Williams like yeah I, I think maybe I, I get it priority free agent but uh yeah it didn't didn't really work out for for old D. I'm sure that Twitter user had a lot of info on grambling David Moore as well like, I'm sure it was just not something they saw on Twitter and passed along I'm sure they studied a lot of tape on it, right yeah not not that they <laughs> that he was big I think was there was his big takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> looked at the headshot, looked at the game photos, and oh yeah, this guy can play. <laughs> <laughs> so T Bone, tell me this: is this line better or worse than the Jets the past two years? Uh, it's hard to be worse than anything that they do. So uh, probably probably worse. The Jets last year, Makai Beckton, and they 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 got a bunch of average guys to try to play um, just to try to. Again, be average. I think the offensive line, because they're Paris and Moten, we know those two guys are good no matter where they're at. And, and the guards here, you know, they're okay. They, they are, they're okay. The Jets were, were uh, not okay. Like, they had a lot of issues and a lot of problems. Uh, made Sam Darnold have his issues that we talk about a lot there. No quarterback was – it's like a historical amount of pressure that Sam Darnold felt. So, I think this offensive line, despite the struggles, there's a pack – to just – we're not looking for this offensive line to be all-time great. Just be average. Just give the offense a chance. Give them time. So if they're just average, that's okay. The Jets' offensive line couldn't even be average. So, no, yes, this offensive line better. I like how you're the, just a Jets expert. We just take all of our Jets questions. It's not something I'm really proud of. It's like what Fox News will bring on or any of the news stations will bring on, like, all of a sudden they'll be like uh, – you know, there'll be a fight at a bowling alley and they'll bring on like a bowling alley fight expert. It's like, how did that guy land that gig? Like, how often does this guy pop up? A bowling, bowling alley fight expert? Yeah, yeah. It's guys, I'm like the Jets expert. I come on like once a year and give expertise on the Jets. I'm, I'm like one of those people right there. I don't know why I went to bowling alley fights, but that's sort of my thing, I guess. This point. Any other O line thoughts before we move on? You good? All right. I just caught myself looking at the fan behind T-Bone, so now I get it, Josh. I'm sorry I made fun of you. <laughs> yeah, it puts, it's mesmerizing. It, it walls you to sleep, so I'm making all these good points. You're like, wow, this guy's really good. You're really falling asleep, though, is what's happening. <laughs> I'm like, you're so smart. Tell me more about the Jets. Uh, let's move <laughs> on to contract negotiations. So who are you extending right now before this season starts? DJ, Robbie, Paradis, Dante, or none of the above? Uh, I have a take, and it is uh, 
Deniston J. Moore. I don't know what his J, what the J stands for. T-Bone, you should know that, right? It sounds like something Deniston you would know. Deniston Juan Moore. Thank you. Deniston. I, don't, I, I made it up. I just I got nervous and said Juan, but it's Deniston, Deniston Moore Jr. Deniston Moore Jr. Jones. That's why they call him. Yeah, Deniston Jr. is his name. Deniston Jeremiah Moore. Come on down. <laughs> get, your, get yourself a contract because this team is going to be passing a lot. We know that. Um, we know that Sam Darnold likes to throw it deep. And what was, I mean, like how many videos did Twitter have to produce of guys running wide open deep and Teddy Bridgewater not able to hit them or Kyle Allen throwing them incomplete. And we saw Curtis Samuel um, have an incredible season under Joe Brady, not incredible, have a good, have his best season under Joe Brady and then just go and cash in in Washington after hearing some, some people on this podcast begging Marty Herney to extend him before he had a breakout season. DJ Moore has already broken out. But right now, it's weird. Like, on the national stage, they don't view DJ Moore as, like, a top 10 wide receiver. And that is 100% what he is. What he is doing at his age is incredible. It's, like, historic stuff. And I, I had the stats in front of me, uh, and I will have them for next week. I promise you, guys, promise you guys this, the listeners. But, like, what he is doing for his age is, like, is incredible stuff. And he, all he does is just produce 1,200-yard season. And people think because he doesn't score touchdowns, which is a completely random stat, that he doesn't, that he isn't as good as he actually is. He's putting up 1,200-yard seasons with Teddy Bridgewater, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, and Cam Newton's broken shoulder. Like, put him with a quarterback that can throw it to him. And add in Joe Brady, add in Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall on the opposite side of the field. DJ Moore, that like if there is no stat line that you could give me for DJ Moore in 2021 that I would be shocked by, other than a bad one. If you give me, you know, uh, 90 catches for 1,800 yards and eight and 20 touchdowns, like I would buy it. I could see it. Seems a little crazy, maybe for 20 touchdowns, but I could see him exploding and being like, oh my god, like like Sports Center and first take is like DJ Moore. Who knew that this guy can play like this? We know now. We know it now. So Scott Fitter, go out there and give pay that man his money, and don't have don't wait until you have to franchise tag him or pay him twenty two million dollars a year or reset the wide receiver market. Go out and do it right now. The answer is Deniston Oliver Moore Jr. That's, that's the answer to the question here, not the other guys. And we've talked a ton about the lists and where DJ is not ranked on these Pro Football Focus and ESPN. And we asked Matt Wool on the Mac Attack two weeks ago, hey, why why isn't DJ, on like, what do you think about the lack of attention? And he actually said, Matt Rule told us that he, being Rule, is all about football. But DJ Moore's the one guy. He doesn't mind if he goes a little bit outside of himself and shows more personality. When they were doing number changes, Matt Rule said he hates that stuff. Like, Matt Rule hates that stuff. He said he doesn't like, he doesn't care. He was encouraging and excited that DJ Moore wanted to change jersey numbers because it put him in the news. It gave him something to talk about and show personality and get attention. He wants his guy who's not a talker. He's not Steve Smith. He's not a yapper. That's not him. And that hurts the the, uh, the overall perception of him, I think, that he doesn't get a lot of attention. I think they've groomed themselves and anticipated Robinson's gone. I think they've got Terrace Marshall to replace him. I think that's – and, it, and it, look, he could be – Terrace Marshall, by the end of the year, could be number two on the team for all we know. They've set themselves up to replace Robbie Anderson – and I think in some ways they may have set themselves up to replace Dante Jackson. I'm not sure yet about him, but 
But I know that they love Keith Taylor. I don't know if he's going to be the guy to replace him or not. But I think I wouldn't be shocked if both Robbie and Dante uh, are eventually gone, especially Robbie. I'm pretty sure Robbie's not coming back. Dante, we'll see. But I think DJ Moore, Colin, a clear cut answer on that one. I don't think anybody else warrants really discussion at this point. Everybody else has to prove it, whether it's stay healthy, you're, you're maybe a little bit too old, all the things. DJ Moore is the only one. My hesitation is I think wide receiver is the easiest position to find going forward. And you have to be careful. You can't pay everybody. And we've just set, spent a whole long time talking about the offensive line and how they could do some money. It's harder to find good guys on the left side of the line than it is to find wide receivers. So my only hesitation in paying DJ Moore is you are – you are taking money from a different position on that offense. And I don't know if wide receivers where I'm spending that money, especially because of how excited you are about Terrace Marshall, things like, and guys like him going forward. At the same time, I'm not going to sit here and badmouth DJ because he's everything you guys are saying he is. It's just his position that makes me hesitant. Any other thoughts before we go to the game? No. Oh, can I tell one more quick DJ Moore story about not being famous? He had not yeah. been. We we're we we're in the locker room. It's it's a very similar story to what T Bone just said. We we're in the locker room, um, talking to him after the Pro Bowl announcement came out, and this was at, I believe it was like 13 games into the season, 2019, and he had the fourth most receiving yards in the NFL. And the guys that had made the list over him were Chris Godwin, um, Mike Evans, and Michael Thomas, like three NFC South guys. Uh, two out of the three had fewer yards than him. Um, all of them had less yards per catch, less yak, like all these stats. Like they had more touchdowns, obviously. Um, and he was doing it with Kyle Allen and his quarterback. And we asked it. I, I remember I said, like, why do you think? Like, why do you think you didn't make the Pro Bowl? And he said, and he said, it's because I don't talk to you guys enough. And we're trying to change that right now. That was when, and I was like, oh, cool. But it's like, like he. He gets it, I think. But then still, he just takes two years of just, like, he doesn't feel like he needs to talk to the media. And, like, he just goes out there and quietly puts up huge touchdown catches. And uh, and it's just – the guy's good. I, I would like for him to be – I would like to see that number two jersey uh, replace the, um, the, the bad memory that a number two jersey brings up in most Panthers fans' uh, minds when they see it. Let, let's make that a more – jersey for the next five to eight years and uh and and have this guy just be the next steve smith look lists are lists and they are what they are but the fact that dj moore wasn't ranked in the top 31 at least of pro football focused receivers this year was just insane. like i i don't i don't that that's me like you don't want to put them top 10 top 12 that's fine because the touchdown numbers are low because of quarterback play but don't sit there and tell me the guys are the top 30th wide receiver in the league like that's that was just uh, that was excuse my language that was what the hog was and I think I think part of the problem, too, is we're talking about him as a number one, and you're pointing out he's not in the top 32. And I can sign on with him being being that high. But when you talk about a number one, and you are talking about red zone threats, and I'm not going to be here and, and say, you know, touchdowns matter, but this is a team that has red zone issues. If you're a number one, you need to be a big part of solving those red zone issues. And I'm not sure if D.J. Moore's going to be that guy for this team. So it, it does get to a point where it's like, are you paying a number one that's actually – in the you know in the teens but like he's and, and and that's when you get to overpaying guys that's where you get yourself in trouble and again i might have anything bad about b but again my hesitation would be that fair enough all right nursery rhyme time are we yeah. ready 
All right. Nursery rhyme time. So which nursery rhyme best sums up the following Panthers players? We'll begin with Sam Darnold. Can I take that one first, fellas? Absolutely. To me, obviously, and I thought everyone had the, the most one of all time, Humpty Dumpty, right? Because it's going to take all the Panthers men to put it back together. Again. Absolutely. That's literally exact. That was my, that was, he had a, he, he had a great fall. He sat on a wall. He had a great fall. And it's going to take all the King's horses who are the um, offensive line and all the King's men who are the wide receivers. And they'll try to put Humpty back together again. And we'll see if they can. Colin, I have a question for you about it. ultimately fail, though? Wait a minute. <laughs> they ultimately fail in this story. What are we doing here? goes here? Go Colin about nursery rhymes. Colin, I have a no, question I just for know you. the end of the nursery rhyme. You're, you're, just like, you're like Phoebe talking about old Yeller. Did Humpty Dumpty fall or is Humpty Dumpty pushed off this wall? Can we investigate Dateline style? <laughs> the Patriots have footage if they haven't deleted it yet. Uh, I actually went with um, I'm a little teapot. I just want to keep it simple with Sam. I just want you to keep in mind what we need you to do. Don't try and be anything else. Just be the little teapot in the pocket, okay? Like it. Like it. If David Moore was still on the team, he could be a little teapot because he's short and stout. <laughs> I had a funny David Moore story that I can't even tell because he's, he's you know been gone for two weeks now. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about Tepper? I don't want to go first. I don't want to take anyone else. You guys go, go first, Joe. To me, this was, this was the easy one. Go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You. It's an easy one for you. I, I, I was going to say it, it's old McDonald. He's got a practice facility. He's got a team. He's got all kinds of things. He just doesn't have a quarterback. Oh, wait. No, we're, we're Darnold right now. I forgot. I, forgot. <laughs> uh, I went Yankee go. Doodle. Oh, that's doodle? a good one. Yeah. Came, came to Why? town and he changed the turf. That's what he did. <laughs> um, I went with Hickory Dickory Doc, but the Andrew Dice Clay version because it feels like that's like David Tepper, like would like he has that accent, like it feels like he would just and he curses like a lot. Um, I mean, the amount that he curses like in press availability means that you know when that microphone's not there, like it's F's and S's all day long. Um, <laughs> so I think it's a uh, yeah, I, I think Hickory Dickory Dock, but the, the Andrew Dice Clay version. How about Steve Smith? Row, row, row your boat gently oh, down the stream. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Hi, Fred Smoot. How are you? <laughs> I went with one. I, I looked up. I don't know the context of this one, but there's a nursery rhyme called Foxy's Hole. And because he ended up in Foxy's hellhole for a decade, his offensive numbers for the Hall of Fame aren't what they should be. So Foxy's hole, what he was involved in, it, it sounds dirtier than it should be, but uh, hey, it is what it is. Foxy's hole to me, Josh, describes Steve Smith. Uh, uh, Steve be nimble, Steve be quick. Steve Woo! jumps into the Hall of Fame next year. <laughs> I like do, you, it. do you think he actually gets in as a first ballot guy? I do. I do. Because of the NFL network work or because of his career? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. I think it also has a lot to do with his personality and the fact that the media kind of loves him. 
Um, and those are the guys that vote on it. And he does have the stats to back it up. So it's not like anybody's going to question it if he does get in. Um, and uh, on, on a slightly different topic, like he's going to raise hell if he doesn't. So I almost wonder if they're just like, you know what, just we, you get, you, you're good, Steve. You're in, you're in. Get him the jacket. Get him the jacket. Nobody- His numbers to the other guys like Torrey Bolton, Reggie Wayne, and Bolden and Hines Ward are very similar. And they had Kurt Warner and Roethlisberger and, and Peyton Manning. So these guys that had elite quarterbacks, he's pretty, it's remarkable that he has the numbers that he has considering he missed two years. And the fact that the one was all right, but he didn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's pretty remarkable the numbers that he did put up in high school. There's probably some examples, maybe like a Jamal Charles season like that. There, I'm hard-pressed to think of many seasons over the last 20 years that don't get their just due the way Smitty's 2005 does. Uh, it gets shortchanged. When you went in the Triple Crown, having a season that only Jerry Rice has ever done. Now, granted, Jerry did it twice, but he is, you know, the GOAT. So when you're talking about 10 touchdowns, or 10 touchdowns, 100 receptions, and more than 15 yards um, per catch. And I'm forgetting one stat there in the Triple Crown. What catches, yards, what's the other one? Touchdowns. Touchdowns. Um, 10 touch. Yeah, so 10 touchdowns, 100 receptions, more than 1,000 yards, 15 yards per reception in a season where he was 48% of the Panthers' passing offense. He was nearly half – you talk about pressure to produce. He was half of this team's offense. And unfortunately, just because I don't know, maybe they just didn't have the right PR guy or whatever. His 2005 season is not remembered the way it should be. You're absolutely right. The numbers are there, but I don't think when he retired, people thought he was a first ballot hall of famer. I'll be excited. Where does that 2000 Bears playoff game rank all time in Charlotte sports efforts? Like history of the city. Like that's, that's up there, man. Bears game. I, mean, I want to watch it again, to be honest with you. But like that, that to me doesn't get talked. That doesn't get talked about enough. I don't think within ourselves sometimes. Like we're yeah, yeah. Like was a two hundred seventeen yards. Or, I think he had a reverse two in there somewhere. That he basically. The reason it's so great is because that Bears defense was number one in the league. He decimated mm-hmm. from start to finish and embarrassed the whole franchise of Chicago in Chicago for one day. That, that's a moment. That, to me, if you're ranking the best all-time Charlotte sports efforts, Smitty against the Bears 2005, it's, it's way up on the list. Remember I'm that, like, four, to think of a better one, to be honest with you. Uh, it would probably be a cam performance, and I might – I don't I can't think of one off the top of my head where he was just – There's a Kemba Walker – was it a 60-point game, Colin? Did he have 60 in a game, or what did he have? Yeah, but they, they, they lost. They lost. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yep, whoop, you remember when he set the all-time franchise record and it lost? <laughs> <laughs> that's the great. That's the greatest Charlotte basketball face ever. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember. Do you remember that like four-week stretch where people were just ta- where defensive backs were just talking junk to Steve Smith before the game and then just getting roasted and it was like the fourth like the fourth one is like dude what are you doing man like stop stop this Fred Smoot was one of them right yes Fred was one of them well Janoris Jenkins was another notch on the bedpost I think so what's yeah the- I'm guessing that D'Angelo Hall was involved in there somewhere during that stretch yes <laughs> most likely he was all right one last nursery rhyme let's do Phil Snow a wise old owl. 
Ooh, he looks right. like a wise old owl. Tootsie Pop commercial? <laughs> um, I went with, uh, there was a crooked man. He went a crooked mile, found a crooked sixpence, crooked style, bought a crooked cat, had a crooked mouse. They all lived together in a little crooked house. Because let's be honest, couldn't you just see Phil Snow like living with a little cat, a little mouse and being like, I know he, he has a beautiful family and is a, is a, a great guy and, a, and an incredible defensive mind. But he just seems like a little crazy, like just like just a little crazy. That's all I'm saying. Apparently, last week when Matt Rule made the coaches run, he was bear crawling. By the way, I don't know if anyone got it on video. We thought he was the guy in the back, but he was not. Frisman Jackson, the wide receiver coach, told us that 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 he was bear crawling down the field. He bear crawls before practice. He does something. He goes up and down the field and crawls like a bear. We got to get that on video, by the way, at some point. Right? We need to figure it out. Phil Snow's a crazy person. <laughs> I, 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 no, I didn't have a good answer for this. I was going to do it, and I just don't even think I need to try and save it. It was it was not great, and it was just – I had one for Robbie Anderson before we end this. Uh, Baba Black Sheep for Robbie Anderson because it's about his friendship with Sir Purr, who he thinks is a black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I want to hear everybody's for Robbie Anderson. Okay, I lied. One more. We're doing Robbie Anderson. I had I had Bob Bob Black Sheep as well, but for a different reason. <laughs> um, what was? Wait, what was your reason? Something crazy? No, he's just the the black sheep of the, the, the of the team. You know, he just he was doing a presser shirtless the other day. You know, he says he says fun things. He's just he's just a little bit different. He's not. Not the you know I don't know the buttoned up guy that so many others are. No buttons at all. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you uh, got to be a little different to have that hairstyle, just as a starting point, right? Like, yeah, uh, I would say um, uh, uh, apples and bananas. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's not really a nursery rhyme. It's just I like to eat eat apples and bananas. I like to eat eat apples and bananas. It's like something that you would just say to a small child constantly and then you say uh i like to eat eat opies and bonobos and then you just kind of go through all your um i like to eat eat eepies and beninis like just all the e all the vowels basically and um it's just silly and robbie anderson's the best and like a lot of the stuff that he says especially on twitter doesn't really make any sense so that's what i would go with i like to eat as a side note i uh for for Sir Purrs, I wrote down Tootsie Roll, but I don't think that was a nursery rhyme, was it? That's just a song and dance. <laughs> More cat scratch fever. Does that count as a classic nursery rhyme? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. That was, a, that was the best time of my life. <laughs> T Bone, where can the folks find you? Uh, I don't want them to find me at all. Actually, I prefer that if you do follow me, stop. Please, I've had enough. I've tapped out. No, I'm uh, at T-Bone WFNZ on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And uh, the Mac Attack, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., Monday through Friday on 610 and 1025. And on the all-new WFNZ app, want to give a shout-out to my bosses, who I love dearly and respect a lot, Kyle. Aww. I didn't mean him. I was just throwing other people in there. In general. <laughs> in general. Yeah, in general. General comment. Josh, I like your shirt. Do you want to talk about it? 
yeah, if you like the Hornets, go to Crown Club CLT and uh, and join the new Hornet supporters group, the Crown Club. Um, it's a combination of the guys from Bring Back the Buzz and the guys from Roaring Riot uh, got together and um, uh, just try to build up that that Hornets fan community um, because I like to when Lamelo makes an incredible pass, I want to type Lamelo in all caps and have people uh, talk back to me and, and be excited about it because it's an exciting time to be a Hornets fan, just like it. Uh, has been an exciting time to be a Panthers fan and will be again and is right now, maybe, if you're a Sam Darnold guy. Um, I, I think that now is like they're on the cusp of something exciting in, in at the Spectrum Center, at the old Speculum. So I think it's going to be uh, – I'm excited. Crown Club CLT. What do you think also, about Bookie of the Year? Ooh, I like that. Bookie of the Year and, uh, and Cobra Kai. Love it. I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to work Cobra Kai in, but I, I do like Cobra Kai. I said that on the air when he during the draft process, and people are that's stupid, that's stupid, that's stupid, and then all of a sudden people want to call it Cobra Kai now. That's great. Should be T-shirts, by the way, for Cobra Kai. For him. Check the Crown Club CLT store uh, in about a month. Got it. Get them, get them Cobra Kai shirts out. There you go. That's Josh Klein rules, Colin CLT, Nikki 704. This has been One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network. We're back. We'll be back every week. We'll see you next week. We're back, baby. Everybody's got to go touch the Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, I got to run. BBO.